It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Reno's in, Candy's in, DeMond is in. ESPN Las Vegas, ESPN Reno, 4 o'clock hour. A little bit earlier today, a little bit earlier today. We're going to get to the big four here in a second. But every Thursday and now on Mondays with the NFL back, we start Cofield and Company. The full show goes at 2 o'clock. Well, I better not start reading times because I, I have it all screwed up for this weekend for the football games. But, uh, yes, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday we go 3 to 6. I think I got it. Let's do the big four. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Four at four. Number four. We are going to talk to Stanford Route in about 15 minutes. And Brad Powers at the end of the hour for leans and likes and angles on college football week number two. So demand is all over this now that we talk about it so much. Anytime, Candy, we see the Saudis getting some money. In uh, to whatever sport and stealing players, golf, soccer. I think they made an attempt to uh, pair up with. Now I'm blanking on the dude's name. Who was the alternate choice for the uh, Washington football team purchase? Was it a former Duke basketball player? Yes, it was. I can't remember his name, but anyway, I think the Saudis were the back end money on that one, and the NFL. Uh, basically said, uh, too late. Josh Harris already has it together. Why are we seeing LeBron James visiting? Is something brewing here? I don't know if something's brewing, but something is definitely going on. Mm. He's there visiting. Sean Elliott was the name of that former Duke player, by the way, I believe. So, But something's definitely going on with LeBron. He's out there, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies out in Saudi Arabia. But why? Um, I'm not saying that he can't take a vacation. But why Saudi Arabia? Why now? Candy, could we be seeing a deal put together post uh, LeBron and the Lakers where Le- I don't know what the hell LeBron, where he would play, how they would back him. I don't think, is there a Saudi basketball league? I know the, the soccer league, they've drawn a bunch of very famous soccer players. Uh, could, I mean, is, is it crazy to think that the Saudis could come to LeBron and go, you know what, we want you to play a couple years for us and we're also going to uh, we want Bronny with you, and we'll give you a, a billion and a half dollars. Let's go. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Who doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia in early September? Like it sounds scenic and <laughs> yeah, just like a really chill, cool, breezy, hundred and thirty degree vibe. It sounds great. Let's do a little dot connecting here. So the NBA was actually the first of the major professional sports leagues to make clear that it is now approved for investments from sovereign wealth funds. Mm. And so we know that LeBron is a couple of years from retiring. We know that LeBron would like to put together a group to be able to have an NBA team in Vegas. And it seems to me that if sovereign wealth funds are now allowed in the NBA and LeBron would like to bring a team to Vegas and he would like a pretty straight line to some significant funding that would make it easier to get that team that you could make a pretty circumstantial case that a lot of people would believe there. Number three. Busy NFL weekend coming up. Sure, week one. Why wouldn't it be busy, right? Uh, we've got a trend that goes back about 11 years. There are a lot of home dogs, and especially matchups where it's a home divisional dog. According to uh, CBS Sports, 
Home dogs in divisional matchups are 15-2-1 ATS. That's 88%. I'll give you the games. Do we blindly bet all four of the dogs? Browns plus 2.5 against the Bengals. Colts plus 5 against the Jaguars. Giants plus 3 against the Cowboys. Jets plus 2.5 against the Bills. What do we do with this? Is this enough of a sample to just go, you know what? I'm betting all of them. Four-leg parlay, baby. Four-leg parlay. <laughs> all the money. 100% of your units for the week. I hate trends. I hate trends so, so okay. very, very much. They are such an oversimplification of the ability to synthesize what you have for information, right? Like, there's so much information out there that you could use, but in this situation, you just take a bunch of outcomes and throw them together. And no, no look at the circumstances around anything that went into them. No, so no, I will not be blindly betting uh, any of the four of those. Although I will say that that uh, that Cleveland teaser leg will probably end up in uh, a few of my counts to get a, a home divisional dog out to eight and a half points with uh, Joe Burrow, who we don't know exactly how healthy he is. Yeah, that, that, that might be interesting. Should your Giants be getting three in that game against the Cowboys? My Giants should be getting seven in that game against the what? Cowboys. Uh, no. I'm using that number facetiously. I, I When I ran my power rankings, I made the game probably around four, four and a half uh, for Dallas, but I, the strengths of the Cowboys on the defensive line are going to wreck the New York Giants if they don't have their Evan Neal issue fixed at right tackle. If the interior of the offensive line looks as rough as it does, you're going to have a rookie starting at center for the Giants. And I think Dan Quinn might have the ability to have Daniel Jones running for his life in this game. Number two. Chiefs and Lions start up here in less than an hour. Chiefs win total on the season is 11 and a half. Lions is nine and a half. What sort of season are both of these teams going to have? Kansas City faces one of the toughest schedules in the NFL. They have one of the worst rest situations when you look at all the spots they have throughout the year. And they might have just walked their way into a loss here tonight with how they're handling the Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey situations. So over 11 and a half feels pretty tough to me, but... The other thing is the floor is pretty damn high when you start talking about Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like, there's no way this team is finishing with less than 10 or 11 wins barring injury. So, you know, I'm not going to be running to the window to bet over 11 and a half, but the Chiefs have every right to feel like prohibitive favorites in the AFC West. As for the Detroit Lions, look, man, no questions about the offense. They seem to have fixed Jared Goff. Ben Johnson might be the best play caller in the NFL right now. Um... Their defense is still terrible. <laughs> and they have very, very few pieces. Like, Aiden Hutchinson is good, not great. And, and beyond that, who, who do you feel really good about on that Detroit defense? The secondary is a wreck. So they're going to be able to score. I just don't know if they're going to be able to stop anybody. They desperately needed another running back with the 13th pick. I think that was brilliant. Oh, clearly. Clearly, but if you heard Ben that? Johnson this week, listen, yeah. we're going to use him in ways you've never seen before. Uh, how many times have we heard this about a running back? Oh, my God, he's going to be out in every pass pattern. Show. Okay, sure. You know what? You were pretty creative in making them good last year. We'll give you the benefit of the doubt to see what you do with Jameer Gibbs. Um, I'm going to be taking the, the under on creativity there. Did you notice our good friends at William Hill updated their app? which is good. Um, they also have a lot of the bets that we were seeing on some of the other 
books around the country with lots of boost and bonuses. Here's the one at the top of the page. Well, there's a lot at the top of the page, but the one, the one I spotted, Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff each record a completion over 39 and a half yards. What? It's plus 325. So oh, bo- both will oh. throw a 40-yard completion. Oh, sir. Sir, I'm going to need a lot more than plus 325 to have to parlay those two outcomes. Yeah. No, 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 no. Uh, plus 325, yeah. the no is uh, not available. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, won't be, uh, I won't be interested in, in that one. I, I do think it, Detroit's got the ability with that running game to set up some play action that gets you that long pass, but man, oh, man. But counting on that for Kansas City with what what's available and the way that defenses have been playing against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, last year you saw it. He had to adjust to all the too high and start throwing everything intermediate and underneath. Unless someone's going to be catching the ball for 15 and running forever, then I'm not confident about that one. You got a better right now. Uh, Detroit plus four. What are you doing? Uh, I am betting the game under. How about that? All right. 53 I'll and a half. The, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take under. Um, I, I just said that about the Detroit's defense and the fact that you can move it on it, but uh, the, the game plan against Kansas City has been keep everything in front of you. And when you force everything in front of you, you force the game to go a little bit slower. There's a lot less quick strike. And I think if Detroit gets ahead, you're going to see Detroit want to grind the football out. So you're not going to find me getting taking Detroit plus the points uh, against Patrick Mahomes on opening night on the banner raise, but I'll, I'll look at that under. Number one. Denver's three and a half against the Raiders. Raiders in Denver. We got a situation with Chandler Jones. And yesterday, we didn't get a whole lot from Josh McDaniels, who said it's a private matter, but Chandler Jones keeps making it more of a public matter. What do we know right now, Demond? What is going on here? What happened back in August? Who was visiting his house? I'm very confused about what's happening. Chandler Jones is still putting out the cryptic IG post as of last night where it was, uh, I want to say, someone that was doing a wellness check for him on behalf of the team. And he's still just going at it, attacking the team. Where yesterday I have mentioned, if we're alluding to this may be a mental health issue, then Chandler Jones needs to get some help and people should stop saying it's more, it's bigger than football now. But all of his posts now and then the tweets later, where after he deletes all the IG posts, you know, it's just a man worshiping God. So I don't know what to make of this situation. Candy? This isn't Antonio Brown, right? This is not Antonio Brown going completely off the grid of sanity. Chandler Jones posted screenshots of text th- messages between him and Josh McDaniels. And the message we saw from Chandler Jones was a pretty rational, normal message. We don't know, to your reference, Cofield, what exactly was the situation in August that led Chandler Jones to have to say to Josh McDaniels, hey man, it's all love, I didn't mean anything, so on, so on. But McDaniels' response was ice cold. And once we are at the point where the relationship between the player and the coach has been exposed, then I think it's time for the general manager to step up. This is Dave Ziegler's time to say what's going on with Chandler Jones. Josh McDaniels shouldn't have to litigate this one in public. It's been aired. Now it shouldn't be his to have to deal with. But this organization now needs to deal with something that is going to become not only a situation on the field, but something hanging over the locker room to start the year. Can I defend Josh McDaniels here for a second? Because no one wants to. If you're in a situation like this that's getting a bit squirrely, 
Would you text anything back that wasn't ice cold? It's a hard situation. Like how how caring oh, how caring saying. can you be? Like especially now and now we find out he's going to put the text out. So it's like thank God I didn't say anything. Well, I get what you're saying, man. I understand where you're coming from. That, that he's thinking in terms of HR, right? He's thinking in terms of not getting himself into further trouble. And like I said, I don't think this is something Josh McDaniel should have to do in the public eye right now. This is something for his boss to step in and say, if we're talking about HR, if we're talking about some sort of, and I, we are being way speculative on the whole yes. mental health idea, but if we are talking about something like that, it is now the face of business for the organization, who is Dave Ziegler, who needs to be the one to deal with this. I mean, that's that's how it would happen in any other workplace, right? That's how it would happen. The direct manager wouldn't have to be the one dealing with this right now. Ideally, coming from HR. And yeah. Dave Ziegler is HR. Yeah. Ideally, sometimes HR doesn't step up or other leadership doesn't step up. And then what are you supposed to do? Um, Damon, your question is pretty interesting. We have like 30 seconds here. Should the Raiders be doing more for him if it is a mental health issue or to Candy's deal? Like it, has, it better go way upstairs. It's still the Raiders, but should the Raiders be helping him? I don't know so much helping them. My bigger question was, what do they owe Chandler Jones at this point? If he doesn't want to come to work, where we look at it, hey, any other job, hey, I don't want to come to work. I don't want to, all right, well, sit out the rest of your contract. Nothing we can do for you. Well, is that where we are, that he doesn't want to come to work? I thought he doesn't want to play for them. Well, he tried to come to work the he other day. He wanted to go to work. Yeah, that's yeah, part well, of the issue. They locked him out. All right, Stanford Route, former Raiders, is going to join us in just a couple minutes. This hour is brought to you by our friends at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, offices in Reno and Henderson. And Las Vegas, call from anywhere in the state of Nevada, 766-1400. It's time for former Oakland Raider and NFL insider Stanford Routes on Cofield and Company. Rolling towards the beginning of the NFL season, Thursday Night Football, the Chiefs and the Lions. Stanford Route is in uh, Houston. Um, before we get into the Raiders and kind of the drama going on the last couple of days, uh, give me your quick thoughts on uh, Lions and Chiefs. Right now, the uh, Lions are getting a lot of the money. The Chiefs are now minus four. Oh, obviously, they're the reigning uh, NFL Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. Now they're without Travis Kelsey. He's already going to be out tonight. And there's always a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover for a lot of teams. So I think if you're going to pick the Lions to actually win, uh, tonight would be the night. It's setting up perfectly for them to win the way they finished last season, all of the hype that they've had building up throughout this offseason. And with Travis Kelsey being out, I would say that now is just as good a time as any for the Chiefs to be at their most vulnerable and to come out with a victory. Okay. Adam Candy's here. It's Cofield. Damon as well. Uh, Stanford Route joins us every week at this time on Thursdays. Uh, I may be asking a really stupid question to lead into our Chandler Jones discussion. I know the Raiders have been wild and wooly over the years. Did you have a situation uh, when you were with the Raiders where a player seemed to be in big disagreement with the organization? We didn't have social media in in a big way back when you played. You're not that old, but we didn't. Um, Did you ever have to deal with a situation as a teammate with someone having troubles and it got public? Not to that extent. Obviously, like I said, there's going to be guys that may have an issue with uh, a coach. There's going to be guys that may have an issue with the owner, the GM, another player. But uh, nothing to this this extent where 
it's being now tweeted out or he's putting it in stories where they won't let him in the facility. He's being locked out and it's not a situation where he's suspended. It's not a situation where he's been released and wants to get back into the facility to get his things or something like that. He's still on the roster. Yeah. He's away from the team right now for a private matter, but I definitely have never uh, been a part of anything like that. Is there a turning back? From this now, I mean, he's put out a lot of messages, and one of the initial messages is, I don't want to play for Ziegler or McDaniels. And now now the, the one that drives you nuts, if you're a coach and you're trying to help someone a month ago, and then you start sending out my text publicly, that's a big problem. Yeah, that definitely is. <laughs> you know, we all know as human beings, especially us as men in a testosterone-driven industry, whatever we talk about behind closed doors is supposed to stay behind closed doors. It's kind of like an unspoken rule. And anytime that that leaks out, obviously, now it comes to a certain point of resentment. Now there's harsh feelings, or should I say ill will. So things like that are very, very difficult to come back from. But in this situation, when we all know this is a production-based business, uh, uh, with the Chandler Jones, who's somebody who still has some tread left on the tire, obviously, things like that. I've seen guys reconcile and come back from a lot worse than this. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was a mending of the fences. Steph Route joining Cofield, Candy, and Damon here on the show this afternoon. When I see all of this go on, Stanford, I I wonder to myself, how much do I attribute to an individual situation? And then how much do I start to go back to everything that we've heard about Josh McDaniels and his struggles to get along with his players and to communicate? I don't want to be unfair to McDaniels. It also feels like in at some ways there, where there's smoke, there's fire because we've heard so many of these struggles for McDaniels and his players. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're, you're definitely not uh, irresponsible or just inaccurate on on making that assessment or just simply connecting the dots because we remember going all the way back to the situation when he got the head coaching job for the Denver Broncos and he immediately was trying to trade for Matt Castle and then Jay Cutler was mad and wanted to be traded. Him then going over to the, at the time, St. Louis Rams, I believe, is the offensive coordinator. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility that Josh McDaniels just doesn't communicate well. He doesn't have great people skills that's something that definitely is not outside the realm of possibility you look at how last year he basically was out on Derek Carr and they told Derek Carr spend the last two weeks at home don't come to the facility so there's definitely something in the water where there's a lack of communication or or should I say a communication gap whether it's from Chandler Jones to Josh McDaniels whether it's from Chandler Jones to Mark Davis whether it's Chandler Jones to the G to the GM there is a communication gap somewhere where somebody heard something wrong. Somebody said something that the other person did not pick up on or completely understand. So I, I'm right there with you on that. When it comes to the locker room, Josh McDaniels, he was asked about Chandler Jones. Like, did he address the team in this? And he says it's an in-house matter. But he was also asked about Josh Jacobs, him coming back. Has that improved the locker room? For you guys as players, is it ever that you guys notice it or you talk about it? Somebody's coming back that was holding out. This is going to help us a lot. Or somebody's missing and this may be a problem on Sunday. Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, you just kind of asked me two different questions. So which one do you want me to go ahead and hit first? The Chandler Jones. 
Uh, I think anytime that obviously when you're missing your starting quarterback, when you're missing uh, one like a Max Crosby, I think that would probably have a bigger impact on the Raiders on the football field. Anytime it's a situation where a certain guy is away from the team, you actually get to the point, especially when you're on a team that has a lot of turmoil, a lot of turnover, a lot of distractions, you almost kind of learn how to simply put your blinders on and not let the outside noise get into your head as crazy as it sounds and i think that from being a former oakland raider and watching how these las vegas raiders are now going forward it's something that you kind of get used to and you just grow numb to the madness and block it away as bad as that sounds and as crazy as that sounds i think that a lot of players in that locker room have probably developed that talent to be able to still go out and function on sunday afternoon uh, how about the Jacobs part? Uh, I think that obviously with Josh Jacobs coming back, everybody understood why he was holding out. Everybody understood why he wasn't there. Uh, that's something that players always understand that, yes, we're teammates, but at the end of the day, we're still 53 men that are independent contractors. So I understand Josh Jacobs' situation. He wants to get paid. He wants to be able to create generational wealth for him and his family. So he's doing what's best for him. And when he then comes back into the fold, now – it's like a breath of fresh air. Now the confidence level throughout all of the team is now it's permeating throughout the entire organization because we got our bell cow, the same guy that led the NFL in rushing yards last year. He's now back into the fold. So it just breeds confidence throughout everybody on the roster. Stanford, we've also talked to you on the show a lot about uh, the Houston Texans organization, which you are quite familiar with yes. as well. And it, seems like for all of the issues that we have heard about the Texans for a number of years, this is one of the quieter training camps that we've heard now with D'Amico Ryans down there with CJ Stroud in place. Do you get the sense that maybe this is the time when the Texans seem to have things going at least in a positive direction? Well, they, I definitely know that they have the right man for the job. They got D'Amico Ryans, obviously somebody who was played there, who was played at a high level there, went to Pro Bowls there, and somebody who we know is now a proven great defensive mind. We see what he's done with the San Francisco 49ers, and he's now bringing that same mindset over to the Houston Texans. So I think that for many teams, especially for a lot of, or for a lot of hard-nosed coaches, especially the head coaches, they don't want anything getting out. They don't want there to be news clippings. They don't want there to be stories that are in the newspaper and within the media. So as quiet as, it, as, quiet as it's been for the Houston Texans and for C.J. Stroud, that was the plan all along, I would imagine, for D'Amico Ryans and the rest of that coaching staff because they want to just be right over there on the side Nobody paying attention to him. And then that way, as soon as this ball is kicked off in just a couple of days, now it's kind of like they're able to sneak up on people because everybody's doubting them. Well, man, those guys went 2-15 and 15 last year, 3-14, and 14, whatever their record was. They're nobody we have to worry about. So for most coaches, they want to be the quiet person in the room that's just observing everybody, watching. They don't want the spotlight on them because we all know spotlight brings what? Expectations. And you got to live up to those expectations. And when you don't live up to those expectations, that's when you get the pink slip on Black Monday, the first Monday after Week 18 in the regular season. Last minute, Stanford. Stanford Rout is with us. Uh, what could the new look Broncos mean, and who's going to win the game? 
Uh, I, I, I'm going with my Raiders. They won six straight, should be seven straight after Sunday afternoon. Obviously, with Sean Payton at the fold, I expect for a better Russell Wilson. I expect for the offense to be more on on cue. I expect them to be on time. I expect everything, the timing to completely increase just because we, we all know that Sean Payton is great of an offensive mind. He is. He's very rhythmic. He's all about rhythm. That's why he was so great for so many years with Drew Brees and with Andy Dalton and all the other quarterbacks that he had under the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints helm. And I think that the defense has already been good for the Denver Broncos. The Las Vegas Raiders are going to have to run the ball. You got Jimmy G. He's going to have to make some plays down the field. Hopefully they can. I'm expecting the Raiders to go ahead and come out with victory and be 1-0 Sunday afternoon. Check out the Believe in Raiders podcast with Dennis Ackerman and Stanford Routon. And Stanford's got his own podcast. I saw you drop two episodes, all facts, no cap podcast. Yes. Uh, Quandre Diggs and Sidney Scholes, huh? Yes. Yes. Sydney Scholes, obviously uh, one of the top reporters for the Black and Silver. She does her own show every week. It was definitely a fun time. And then my man QD from Texas, a star Pro Bowl receiver. I'm sorry, Pro Bowl safety for the Seattle Seahawks. One of the best in the game. Good friend. Love always having him come on. He'll probably come on again during the season. So all facts, no cap. You can go ahead and download it on any place where you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you uh, download your podcast, you can find it. All facts and no cap. Stanford, great job. Good luck in the game against Rice, and we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you guys, man. Y'all be safe. Talk to you next week. Yeah, Stanford's on the staff with the Cougars, and they are on the road against Rice. Field and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Candy, Cofield, and Amon. Finley Toyota Studio. So a lot of big games this weekend. Uh, one here in Vegas that people will be watching is UNLV at Michigan. They're playing at the big house. Uh, we're going to have a conversation tomorrow with John Jansen. I actually talked to John, who's a former offensive lineman, from the Wolverines, he's the color voice on radio. He played uh, late 90s and had about a nine-year career in the National Football League. And, Candy, you know, I know you uh, know so much about gambling and legal sports report, I'm sure, track this story as well. You know the Big Ten, I think because of some of the scandals, the Big Ten kind of accelerated a plan to put out availability reports before games, two hours before the games, so that we don't have situations, and there were multiple Big Ten coaches who did this last year, where they would suit up a quarterback who was, frankly, doubtful, and then not ever announce that he wasn't playing, or we'd find out five minutes before the game. Now they have a two-hour responsibility to send out a report. Is this a big deal? It's an absolutely seismic deal when okay. it comes to the NCAA level. There's never been any form of injury reporting when it comes to college football or college basketball. And it's what's made college the most ripe for point shaving scandals and other integrity concerns over the years. Cofield, this is huge. No doubt. No doubt. We have uh, we have betting experts on this show that are texting me all the time. Like I'm here in four days out. I got inside information on this and a lot. Most of the time it was pretty reliable. Now, I don't know if releasing the info two hours before the game makes that much of a difference, but you're right. It's the it's the sign of what it represents. And the reason I mentioned John Jansen two minutes ago before going on the tangent is that I addressed that with John Jansen, who is now in the media as a color voice, also does the morning show on the ticket and uh, in Detroit. And, man, I asked him every which way I could, 
three different questions about, hey, are you uncomfortable with this? Is this cool? And he was like, yep, it's cool. I figure there's going to be players and old school football people who are like, this is bull crap. It's not the team's, the other team's business. Now, here's the tricky situation. Now, does it matter when you're favored by 36, right? Or if we go back to last week when if the Pac-12, well, the, actually, USC is going to be in the Big Ten next year, right? And we just saw USC last week take out Nevada 66-14. Does it really matter when you're playing in a non-con? Well, this is my point. Should non-con opponents go, you know what, you're doing the right thing, we're going to do the same thing and release our availability report two hours before the game? <laughs> <laughs> I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see where you're going. Yeah. yeah. Why not, I, right? Look, if, all right, but I'll, t- I'll, I'll take it from the better's perspective. Yeah. 36-point game, right? So you assume at some point in that game that McCarthy's not going to be on the field anymore, right? Like You're, you're not going to have the starting quarterback yeah. on the field. Well, who's the backup, right? Like, and you go back in Jim Harbaugh's history. Remember, it was only a couple of years ago that Jim Harbaugh tried to get away with not putting out a depth chart, not an injury report, <laughs> a depth yep. chart, yep. right? And so, if your second or third string quarterback is hurt, or your second or third string running back is hurt, the idea of how I'm going to bet that game absolutely could change, right? Like, I could be looking down the line at that game and say, we don't know exactly who's going to be playing uh, toward you know, the second half, the fourth quarter, et cetera. I don't know if they're going to run the score up, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I don't want to be conspiratorial, but in trying to do research each weekend and also research after the games, I have – I feel like I've had a little more trouble finding two deeps. Um, I'm looking at one site that's a good reference, collegepressbox.com, and, like, Illinois doesn't have its two deep loaded, but the Kansas Jayhawks do. Uh, Purdue has theirs. Uh, I wonder if there are some coaches who are like, you know what, now we're not going to put out a two deep. You can find out two hours before the game. Or if you're at the game, you get the flip card. But we're not providing the information anymore. I, I, Come on, you wouldn't put it past coaches to be a little snippy about it. No, of course not. They're, they're going to take this out on the public any way they can because no one is a bigger conspiracy theorist than a college football head coach. Like no one's more paranoid. They, they are the tinfoil hat people of sports media without question. You going to F with us, then we're going to F with you. Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Got some leans and likes. College football week number two. Also some uh, grades from week one. Brad Powers is with us. What's up, Brad? Mr. Powers. What's happening? Thanks for having me, guys. So uh, what was cooking earlier today with covers? I saw you were doing a a live uh, podcast earlier today. When am I not doing a live podcast radio show? Uh, I mean, it doesn't matter. It seems like I work with everybody. Uh, Do but, it. Yeah. But there's just a, you know, a new show that they've uh, done, uh, a live show that they're doing daily, and I'm going to be on it a couple times a week, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, hopefully Mondays getting in front of lines, and then Thursdays looking more towards the, the bigger games of the week. We were just talking about uh, the Big Ten teams putting out the availability reports two hours before the game. Uh, you know, UNLV is going to be at Michigan. Does that matter to you as a better? 
Well, I would like to hope that I have an idea uh, before then uh, on a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, the guys that, I mean, I guess you respect, you know, the Pete Dammels and that of the world, but I have found that, you know, when they start tweeting, I mean, this stuff that, that they're tweeting about, I've already had in my lap several hours, if not a day before they start tweeting about stuff. So I would hope that I would still have that information before, but, you know, uh, I, I guess uniformity when it comes to injury reports, I, 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 I see two sides of the coin because on one hand, I, I like the information not being out there. It's just, because it requires guys like myself to go ahead and do the legwork and you can find the information for yourself. But on the other side, I mean, when you compare it to the NFL, it's nice kind of having that set, you know, detailed note. You know exactly when you're getting it. You know what probable, questionable, doubtful, and stuff like that means. So I see both sides to it. Let's, uh, let's start off with this week's slate with some Friday football. you got to read on Kansas and Illinois. It's three, the Jayhawks. I'm going to go over 57. That's where a little bit of the money's been on this one. Really question what Illinois' defense did last week against Toledo. They got pushed around up front. Didn't expect that to be the case. Uh, and they really just struggled to, to defend both run and pass. And I'm here to tell you, if they're going to do that against Toledo, they'll certainly have troubles against Kansas's offense. And then, you know, I thought, that, you know, on the positive side, the Illinois' offense was a little bit more capable than what they were uh, last year. So just because of Illinois' handicap in itself, which was a dead nut under team last year. Uh, I think we're catching some value here. And plus, Kansas's quarterback looks like Jalen Daniels will be back in the lineup after sitting out last week over 57. Brad Powers, Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter. BradPowersSports.com is where you find all his leans and likes. So go sign up there. I'm going to go from the top of the board and move on down on Saturday. NC State can't cover 7.5 at home against Notre Dame. Tough game. We haven't seen it really move all week. Uh, Circle opened very early on a six. I'm here to tell you that was gone within five seconds. And then, uh, you know, they haven't seen it's been seven and a half since. So I don't think it's a high value pick. I guess here's a couple questions you need to look at. Uh, one for Notre Dame what is, what is their response going to be when they finally get punched back in the mouth? Because the reality is they haven't been punched in the mouth playing Tennessee State and Navy so far. So how do they? How do they handle adversity for the first time this year? Because I expect them to get a little bit of adversity uh, on the road here. And NC State, I guess the question is, is, will a playmaker step up on offense besides Brennan Armstrong? Because I did not see one at running back or wide receiver in week one against Connecticut. Uh, if, you can, if you're having trouble moving the football against Connecticut, not sure Notre Dame's uh, defense uh, is going to give you a lot of opportunities. Man, I think there's a lot of overreaction numbers from week one, so that'll be kind of my angle on a lot of these. Uh, Colorado and Nebraska, you could get plus seven Colorado about three weeks ago. Uh, it has ticked back, but right now it's Colorado two and a half over Nebraska. Yeah, we saw the sharp group uh, coming on Nebraska today. I would question the market entry on that one because I, I was hoping, let's wait if you wanted to bet Nebraska. Well, let's people, the, the overjoyed people the, let's, uh, that are so you know positive about what they saw about Colorado last week. Let's let them people uh, bet on Friday night and Saturday morning and see if we can get a three and a half out there. I am on the Nebraska side of things, and keep in mind, I'm not, it's not like I'm anti-Colorado. Upgraded Colorado more than any team in the country coming into the season. Upgraded Colorado more than any team in the country after week one, and yet my power ratings still say take Nebraska here. All right. I see some uh, spots where Big 12 teams were upset and might be fired up. They're at home. 
Uh, do I have something here with Baylor plus seven and a half against Utah? Yeah, it was one I got out in front early in the week just because I don't think the, the early circuit number, uh, Utah 4, had the, the, the Baylor quarterback situation fully priced in yet. So I did eventually bet, uh, not eventually, did bet Utah right off the bat. But numbers matter. Uh, so, yeah, my betting numbers, not teams, at the current price as high as 8.5, and maybe it, even ticking a little bit higher. Uh, I want to be on the Baylor side of things. I think there is kind of an overreaction. Utah, standalone game against Florida. Looked impressive, even with the backup quarterback. Baylor suffered not only the biggest upset loss last week, but the biggest upset loss we've seen in college football in the last two years. Not a single game has, it was a bigger upset in all of college football last year than what Baylor suffered in week one. So even with a backup quarterback for Baylor, with shaping out, I think there's a play here as high as plus eight and a half. Wow, okay. Um, you know, I'm going to miss the Pac-12 because uh, non-con, they actually schedule aggressively, and we're seeing a set of games here where you get some really good crossover. Arizona State at home catching plus three against Oklahoma State. Actually, we know Oklahoma State minus three, and I don't like Oklahoma State at all this year. Hmm. Uh, but but Arizona State, that was a bad look. If there was one – look, Pac-12 hasn't lost a game yet this uh this season, but man, if there was a team that did not look the part, it was Arizona State last Thursday night against Southern Utah. You know, even in the post haboob, uh, whatever went down there right before the halftime, the dust storm. Uh, I, I, with true freshman quarterback, I just question their ability to move the ball consistently. So I'll lay the three with Oklahoma State. Is UCLA going to whip San Diego State on the road minus 14 and a half? Yeah, not bettable now at 14 and a half, but you know, one of the biggest line movers of the week has been on UCLA, and it's not necessarily a pro-UCLA situation because there's a good chance you're going to start a true freshman quarterback in this game. It is an anti-San Diego State position. The Aztecs, 2-0, and bad 2-0 and team, uh, to, to say the least. Very fortunate Ohio's quarterback, Curtis Rourke, got hurt in that game. Otherwise, they'd have lost that one. And they played a below-average FCS team last week in Idaho State. And it was a struggle. So I am way down on San Diego State right now. Wisconsin 6 at Wazoo. Let's go over the total here. A little bit of money's on Wisconsin, but also some money on the total. Fundamental changes on both teams offensively this year. Wisconsin obviously a little bit more off-tempo, a little bit more pass game. Although they should still lean with a ground game after those two running backs combined for nearly 300 rushing yards last week. Washington State, how about their offense? Everyone talked about Cam Ward last year. Maybe we were a year early talking about him being one of the better quarterbacks and not only the Pac-12, but made the country. Uh, I love their new offense coordinator, Ben Arbuckle. He's 27 years old. He's one of the best young minds in all of football, playing a lot of tempo. Uh, let's go over 58. Uh, local teams, UNLV now catching 37 against Michigan. Yeah, believe it or not, you know, I, I laid the early number on Michigan. We've seen one-way sighted action on them. I made it closer to 38, so even at a big number, 37 half of Molina with Michigan. Something tells me they'll be a little bit more crisp offensively. Keep in mind, no Jim Harbaugh, but also no offensive line coach and offensive coordinator last week in Toronto Moore. He returns this week, so I expect them to be a little bit more buttoned up offensively. And then UNLV, I mean, you look at the new offense, uh, look pretty good, although I would say the defense, uh, looks good on box. The, the, the final score, 14 points allowed, but Bryant moved the ball a hell of a lot more than, than 14 points would indicate. So, add it all together, I think over 57 is the correct play. Let's race down the board and get to the biggest game of the weekend on uh, paper and uh, brands. Alabama is seven against Texas. 
would go under 54 in this one. Originally, I was thinking over was the play, but, man, deep diving in this one, rewatching both teams' games from last week, not buying all the counting stats that Jalen Milrow had this unbelievable game. That's not what my test said, and obviously keep in mind it's just a tomato can in Middle Tennessee. And Texas defensively did look the part. I know it was just Rice, but, man, up front, Tavondre Sweat, that 350-pounder nose guard, looked as good as any defensive player I saw in college football last week. So I kind of like Texas' matchup defensively against Alabama's offense. And then I'm still not buying Quinn Ewers on the road in the big, you know, first time. He's got to respond to some adversity on the road, even though I bet him to win the Heisman and whatnot, just because I think Texas is going to win a bunch of games this year. I I still have my doubts on his effectiveness. And I'm worried about maybe some possible injuries for Texas on the offensive line and how they'll handle Alabama's defensive line. The Washington Huskies might be freaking awesome. They might be. Uh, is the reaction too much? Central Florida on the road, three and a half against Boise, who was the Husky victim last week. Uh, no, because uh, another bad matchup probably uh, for Boise State here, just athlete wise. Central Florida going to spread them out, run a bunch of tempo. Never, you know, never stop running that offense. Speaking of that, let's go over sixty. Even though the, this is taking some money throughout the course of the week, yeah, two mobile quarterbacks. Boise State did move the football last week. Uh, so the over 60 for me, three and a half, I'm, I'm not interested at this point. I wasn't in love what I saw from Miami, Florida in the Miami battle last week. Uh, what do you think? And now you got A&M after a big win over New Mexico. Quarterback looked brilliant. Uh, A&M is laying four. Wasn't in love. They were favored by 16 and a half, 17, one by 35. That's not good enough for you? I didn't, I didn't like the flow of the game. <laughs> I thought it was very station to station. I guess that's a baseball reference. <laughs> Did you watch Miami last year when they covered one game it's an the entire season? It's an improvement. It's an improvement. By the way, you know what's funny? Uh, I think I, I, well, I know I made a bet with JVT on Friday. I made a two-year win total bet of 15 for the next two years because I'm like, I trust Cristobal. And as I'm watching the game, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of trudging along in the first half. Look at how my, my bet now affects my judgment of the game. I liked what I saw offensively. Okay. I mean, you're talking about 250 rushing yards, 243 pass against Miami, Ohio, and people are going to scoff at this, but Miami, Ohio's had one of the best defenses in the MAC last year's nine starters back. I liked what I saw offensively. Also loved what I saw offensively from Texas A&M. I guess what, what, what I'm getting to is over 51 for me. Can I take Sam Houston State plus 13.5 against Air Force? I mean... You're late to the party. Uh, <laughs> yes. It was 17. Uh, and then it was, uh, you at least had a couple days there above 14. Man, at 13, did you watch them offensively? I mean, I could, I could see them losing 14 to nothing. Yeah, another, another game like the BYU game. Um, one last game. We've got like 30 seconds here. One of those revenge spots. Uh, tech, not revenge, but anger spots after being upset the first week. Texas Tech is getting seven at home against Oregon. Six and a half. Yeah, handicapping 101 says Texas Tech will be the quote-unquote sharp play off an outright upset loss as a two-touchdown favorite. Oregon put an 81 spot uh, against the Middle Sisters of the Poor last week. So I get the, the thought process on Texas Tech. I didn't get their power ratings-wise. I think six and a half is a fair number. Brad, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care, guys. Brad Powers, at Brad Powers 7 up on Twitter, bradpowersports.com. Man, I'm grading uh, Miami a little too hard. Miami, Florida. Candy, great job today. Really appreciate it. Devon, we'll see everybody. Bye.